Welcome to 2019 on Wednesday nights, um, first one of the year for us. Uh, if you're visiting with us, please come again when our normal teaching pastors are here. Pastor John and Pastor Adam are, are very good at this, so if you're visiting with us tonight, try again, please. Um, but I will, I will have to give kudos to our, our Pastor John. Um, he is not a native of Alabama. Uh, he has been here less than a year. Uh, matter of fact, but he has already wised up really, really well. He has scheduled someone else to preach after the after the national title game. And so with that being said, please open your Bibles to the book of Job. Um, so, no, just kidding. We unfortunately already had this lesson prepared before Monday night. Uh, but kudos to Pastor John. He learns very quick. Um, so uh, it, it's been a while since we've been here on a Wednesday night. We're going through a book called The Gospel-Centered Life. Uh, we're going to recap that just a little bit, just uh, maybe you're new, maybe you're visiting tonight, maybe you hadn't been to the last couple of Wednesday nights in December, so we'll recap just a little bit to catch you up on where we're at. We started looking at a few Wednesdays on what is the gospel. Uh, there was a gospel grid um, chart that we have um, up there, is coming soon, but it's basically looking at what is the gospel. It is the conversion point and then growing awareness of God's holiness um, and then a growing awareness of, of my flesh and my sinfulness. And as those two things grow, our grow of the cross and what God did and Jesus did on that cross continues to expand, and it continues to get bigger and bigger for us. Um, so we really looked at that. We looked at pretending and performing. Pretending minimizes sin by making ourselves out to be something we are not. Uh, performing minimizes God's holiness by reducing his standard to something we can meet therefore thereby meriting his favor, which we cannot do. We looked at believing the gospel. What remedies have God given us to, to not shrink the cross and not depend on our own effort? And then we looked at a, a series of what does the gospel do in us? Uh, we looked at the law. We looked at the law and gospel. We looked at repentance. We looked at heart idolatry. Uh, our hearts are little idol factories, and how do we, how do we deal with that? So before we get too far started tonight, I want to want to ask a little bit of a question. This is a new year. A lot of us do New Year's um, resolutions, right? So how many of you um, did a New Year's resolution? Nobody? Okay, well, just in case, I was, I was prepared for that, and I lost it, so I'm looking up my social media. I had a good one that showed up on my feed. The name will remain nameless. It's nobody in here. But those typically uh, are, are funny for me. I don't do them much either, though they're, they're pretty funny for me. But I had one that show up, and this is typically what they sound like. So every year I think of several New Year's resolutions to improve my life. And she goes on and talks about why. And so this is the second set since January 1st already. So we're, we're on the 9th of January, and this is round two. But she starts listing them for the rest of social media world to know. So one's be more positive. That's a good thing, be more positive. Don't let the little things get to me. She goes and explains that. That's fine. That's a good one. Make healthier choices in life. We all could, could do that probably, right? Then it goes on and gets a little more detailed. Don't let idiotic political posts upset me to the point I comment on them. Okay, so that's, that's typically where we wind up 
in uh, New Year's resolutions, right? They're very me-centered. How often do we do that with the gospel? How often is it an internal, personal reality? And it's not an external reality, right? Um, so we do that a lot with the gospel of Jesus. We turn it into an internal thing, a, a growth, a transformation. We'll use words like renewal, uh, transformation. I want to get closer to God this year. Uh, and those are all great and wonderful things. The, the gospel is definitely personal. It's definitely internal. Um, but it's also external. So um, those things in and of themselves, those personal goals are not bad. Um, but uh, the gospel is not just limited to your personal growth or your personal transformation. It is very external, and we are going to look tonight at how God is not only working in us, but he's working through us, okay? Um, when God's grace is working in, uh, on us and in us, it will also work itself out through us. So there's another chart on God's grace um, that is up here from the book, and it's very uh, interesting, but God's grace is what powers this for us, right? It's nothing we are doing. Once the once you are transformed and, and believe in Jesus, God's grace is working inside of you. So you have uh, the inward movement of the heart, where God's grace is. You're being able to see your sin at a much more magnified level. Uh, through that, you are repenting. You, we've talked about this a few weeks ago, where we should be in a continual state of repentance. And then we're exercising our faith, and then we're experiencing joy. Um, but then also we see an outward movement of love for God and love for others. Right? So we see God's grace. We see opportunities to love people, to serve people, to minister to people. And then we see a dying to ourselves and stepping out in faith, being bold, being confident in who we believe and who the Bible says God is. And then we see rejoicing for that as well. So that's what we're going to kind of look at today. How does the gospel work through us? Um, in particular tonight, we're going to look at mission. Uh, the gospel is simultaneously at work in us and through us. Inwardly, our desires and our motives are being changed as we repent and believe the gospel. As we experience Christ's love in this way, we are compelled to engage those around us with the same kind of redemptive love that he has shown us. So the gospel propels us outward. When God's grace is working on us and in us, it will always work itself out through us. So the word mission is traced back to Hebrew and Greek words that means to send. So when we talk about missions, we are talking about sending. We are talking about being a witness. Um, these are things that we are, are um, big on here. We're big on, on mission. We're big on sending. We're big on going to new areas. We're big on local service. Um, and those are very biblical um, ideas. So what do we know about biblical missions? So let's Let's take a look. Um, first of all, it's commanded for all of us. Um, I'll give you a little bit of my history. I grew up in a small Southern Baptist church in Mississippi. Um, our idea of mission was not entirely based on the Bible. It was a program, or it was a um, one night a week. We did have outreach, uh, usually not attended by lay people, attended by the pastor, because that was also his job, right? Um, so that was my growing up view of what missions was. We would have mission speakers come in, and that was a, uh, always a, a good night, but that was it. It was a one day or a two days a month or some kind of one day a week setup. Uh, that's not what we see in God's Word. We see uh, people being sent. We see people being saved and then them being sent. We see people getting worked on internally, and then they're expressing and witnessing about what Jesus has done for them in their life. 
So in Acts 1.8, we see, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Witness literally means to tell the truth about Jesus. Um, we, we sometimes try to formalize what witnessing means, and, and some of that's good. It's good to have uh, help in how to share my faith. Uh, but it's really, what has Jesus done for you? It's your testimony. All of your testimonies are unique. Uh, they're miracles, right? You Use those. Uh, the Greek form of the term witness is, means one who dies for his faith. It was commonly the price in those days. The first century ter- church was commonly the price to die for your faith. In many parts of the world today, that's still commonly the price. It's where we get our English word martyr from. Um, we see in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this mission is ultimately God's. Um, We are commanded to go and make disciples, but it's his mission. It's his purpose. He's going to get to the people um, himself. He just chooses to use us as his conduit. So everyone who follows Jesus as Lord is commanded to make disciples of Jesus. Um, second, second point we're going to look at in the, in the Bible, from the Bible about missions, is His grace brings renewal everywhere in us and through us. So His grace brings renewal everywhere in us and through us. We see this throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, throughout the rest of the New Testament, new creations, renewing of people's hearts, renewing of people's lives. We see Jesus making things new continuously. We see God making things new throughout the whole Bible. We fall, he makes it new again. We fall, he makes it new again. One of my favorites is the story of Stephen in Acts 7. So as most of you know, the story of Stephen, he makes an emphatic plea for for those as he walks through the entire Bible in a very, very strong sermon to Greeks and, and religious leaders and the Sanhedrin. Um, very, very powerful. He gets to Acts 7, uh, verses 54 through 60. And in God's Word says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So we see God bringing grace to Stephen and working in Stephen this entire passage. It's just amazing what God is using Stephen for. Well, we also sometimes skip over, he's beginning to work in Saul. He's beginning something new in Saul of Tarsus, who will write most of the um, New Testament, who will take the gospel to the center of the known world. 
But here where we see him working his grace in Stephen to his end, to his dying day, he's still transforming Stephen to the point where people are stoning him and saying, Lord, please forgive them for what they do. They know not what they do. But we see here comes Saul. So God's always at work. We can't always see it, and we, can't, we see it now 2,000 years later pretty easy, right? At the time, nobody, everybody was scared to death of Saul. They didn't think anything was renewing in Saul other than another uh, tragic event, right? So it's a phenomenal story uh, of Stephen. We see that throughout the New Testament. Um, thirdly, God's mission to reach his people is Holy Spirit-driven. How often do we turn missions into something I got to do? or something I need to do, or some program I need to finish, or some event I need to do, if I just worked harder. We just saw, we just read Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, very first, but he, full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was a great follower of Jesus. This was the Holy Spirit driving this. His grace was driving this. Um, But we see that throughout God's Word. It's not our works, it's not our programs, it's not our efforts. It's God using us and allowing the Holy Spirit to take over um, and be used. Acts 13, 1 through 3 says, Now there were uh, in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mananian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So we see point blank here, Holy Spirit telling these four men, hey, set apart these two because I've got something for them to do. Didn't mean the other two weren't worshiping and fasting and and being witnesses, but sometimes God calls some to go to new areas to take the gospel to. We are very active in that. Our missions team is very active in in local uh, uh, missions, uh, abroad missions, Oconus missions. We are very active in that. But we're all called to do missions regardless of whether that's local or whether that's um, external. Through the Spirit, He has equipped us to do what He wants. Through the Spirit's indwelling, He transforms us slowly, gloriously into the image of Christ. What's more, the Spirit has gifted to the church servants who help His people know where and how to act. So each one of you here today as a member of Capshaw is here not by accident. It's here because your giftedness fits uniquely into the uh, realm that in the, to the membership of Capshaw Baptist Church. Right, it's not chance that we happen to be in 2019 and you're a member of this church is not, hey, lucky you, you found a cool church, right? It's, it's God's sovereign will that you're here, okay? Um, so uh, all of us together can reach far more people than, than me on an island by myself. I can encourage folks to go do things they didn't think they could do Maybe you can encourage me to do things I didn't think I could do when it comes to witnessing and reaching others. But that's why the church is here. What's more, the Spirit has gifted the church um, with, these, with these servants. So we are led by the, the Spirit. Uh, God will use His church to reach His people. So uh, understand that we are led by the Holy Spirit in this, and that works is not something um, we should wrap our heads around there. We're not going to do this through fancy words or fancy programs. Uh, number four thing I, I noticed about God's Word as I studied this was He's chosen to make His appeal through us. It's fascinating to me at all the ways uh, that God could have chosen to spread His good news. 
there's there's lots of cool ways in the Old Testament. I mean, we've got things, donkeys talking. We've got all kinds of cool ways of communication, right? But But what is really neat about the gospel of Jesus Christ is He has chosen to use us broken instruments to be His witnesses to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, right? Uh, it's fascinating. Our God is sovereign over all, including missions. He doesn't let it roll and say, well, we'll see who comes to believe and who doesn't. Right? He, he's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He is sovereign over that plan. He has cho- chosen to use us as conduits. It's fascinating to me because I would not choose me as a conduit if I was probably in his shoes. Uh, I'm not sure, I, I, you know, looking at some of the creations he has used throughout his word and throughout time, fascinating stories of people he's used so never think you're not worthy to be used in missions oh there's some really broken folks in God's word and there's some really broken folks in this room that has been used in mighty ways so never never uh, doubt what God can do through you Um, 2nd Corinthians 5 14 through 21 says for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this this one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us to the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made, them, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you see Paul here um, imploring those to trust in Jesus, to understand that he is um, um, in control. We also see uh, an astonishing fact that the God of the universe has asked us to be an ambassador for Christ. Ah, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty amazing uh, it's amazing, first of all, that he intervened on my behalf to save uh, me, to make me a new creation we see in that scripture. I used an ordinary 20th century Mississippians to reach, teach, and, and get to my 12-year-old soul. Talk about broken people. There's, I'm not saying Mississippi is more broke than Alabama. I'm just saying there, there weren't um, very, uh, well, let's go ahead and say it. There weren't extremely educated folks sitting around teaching and preaching, right? But yet we see where God intervenes, and it's, real, it's easier to look in hindsight probably, but you don't ever see what, what God's doing in you and through you until years later sometimes, and sometimes you may never see it. Stephen's case, right? He saw it on the other side of eternity. He didn't see it on this side. Um, so the next thing on that is an ambassador for Christ. God is sovereign. Um, He could use any means he saw fit to reach his people for reconciliation to himself. In his infinite wisdom, his word states he has chosen his broken, messed up, sinful followers to be his ambassadors. 
So, you know, you're, you're likely an ambassador for something in this room this morning. Job, kids, we're all ambassadors for our kids. Uh, your spouse, hobbies. We do live in Alabama, sports. Um, let's make sure that, that what we are an ambassador for, our most important ambassadorship, is for Christ. That's what missions is about. Are we being an ambassador for Christ daily, weekly, monthly? So that's very um, pointed for me, at least. So as we look at missions, uh, engaging those around us with the same kind of redemptive love as Christ has freely given us. Uh, note, in, in the Bible here, some of God's people were especially called out to advance the gospel in new areas. So we do see, we just read Paul and Barnabas was a great example. We see uh, people called out specifically to go to new areas to spread the gospel. Uh, we do, we support many, much of that here. Um, a lot of the, the missionaries we are supporting are going to areas that are very unreached. Um, we were talking this past uh, week with one of ours from Asia. We're talking 1.3 billion people in the country, 98% non-Christian. Um, so it is very important for us to send people to new areas. I think sometimes growing up, at least for me, I often thought of missions as, hey, if I pray to God to, to let me be more missional or be more missionary-centric, he's going to send me to Africa. He's going to send me to, to Asia. He's going to send me to somewhere I really don't want to go. Now, he sends you where he wants to send you, but it could just be your backyard. It could just be your neighborhood, your school, your work. There's no accident you work where you work today. There's no accident you live where you live today. Um, but all too often, we have a view of where I need to minister and where I need to lead and where I need to um, tell others about Christ. It's really just where you are. Where he's got you today is a good, good starting place. So let's think a little bit about um, application. So how does this... So we see God's Word. It's a whole... Uh, story of how God redeems his people um, and how he has chosen in the New Testament to ultimately use us uh, for the last 2,000 years to spread his name, to, to uh, emphasize his name, to grow his story. And so how do we, how do we practically speaking, do that? How do we... Um, uh, day by day do that. We've, we've tried as a Southern Baptist Convention for a long time to put this in a five-step program. We Here at this church, uh, 15 years ago maybe, we had a couple of different iterations of this where we would try. We had a, Most of you here were, at the time, we had a GROW. Um, I think it was an acronym at one time. I don't remember what it stands for. We all had different colored polos, and we would go out and, and go to outreach. And it, I, it was, it's not a bad thing, right? It's, in and of itself, it wasn't a bad thing. But we try very, very hard to kind of compartmentalize it and, and try to make it, hey, on Tuesday nights, everybody's going to wear a different colored polo, and you get that neighborhood, and I get that neighborhood, and we're going to go witness. And it's not a bad thing, not a bad thing at all. But that's not all it is, right? Uh, being missional in, in purpose is, is, is a changing of yourself. So, again, the gospel is working in us so that can it can work through us, right? So... Um, what is it and how can we, in 2019, maybe we can be more missional? How do we, how do, we do that? So I've got a couple of, couple of ideas. One is theology. So the um, older I get, the bigger I get on theology. Um, what you believe about Jesus is directly correlated to your involvement in his work. 
You know, we, um, A.W. Tozer, theologian, has a great quote on this that I, that I often leave a spot on. He says, Christians don't tell lies, they just go to church and sing them. So how often do we sing worship songs of how big a view of God we have and how awesome He is and, and, and how great He is, and then I get home and I can't sleep because so I'm worried to death about what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody, so I'm not, y'all are probably better at this than I. But how often do you sing about how in control he is and how, how great and wonderful and, and then you, you're worrying or you're, or you're back in sin that you thought you'd never get back into, or whatever the case may be, right? Um, so your, our view of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, that, a natural outflow of that is missions. Right? So grow your theology of who God is. We do that in a myriad of ways, right? Prayer, spending time in his word. Uh, deep diving in areas that you're struggling with, right? Uh, learn more about his character in 2019. Um, the internal renewal of our minds and hearts creates an external propulsion that moves us out in love and service to others. So as we gain uh, a bigger view of our God, we should, by default, be naturally wanting to tell others. Naturally, it should come out as service to others. Everybody in here is gifted differently. Some of you can go up and talk to a stranger at a gas station and share the gospel. That's great. You're gifted in that way. Uh, some of you do it through service. Showing the gospel is very, very powerful. Um, but whatever it is, it is going to be based on what your view of Jesus is and what he's done for you. Internally, the grace of God moves me to see my sin, respond in repentance and faith, and then experience the joy of transformation. As I'm being transformed and as my view of Jesus and his finished work grows, it should prepare, propel us out to love, serve, and share with a lost and dying world. Um, uh, I, I laugh, and I brought this up in Sunday school, I think, Sunday morning. Uh, don't like the theology of it altogether, but there are some pointed pieces that you can watch with kids that beg to ask some questions, and it's the Left Behind series. So, I know, start chuckling now. Uh, this is even the Nicolas Cage version, which is even worse. Um, so, I had it on, the kids flipped it on, the boys flipped it on the other night, and, and, it, and it's really my youngest kid's first indoctrination. I don't even know, I probably hadn't seen it in nine years, but he's just astonished you know, it's the plane, I don't know if you've seen it, it's a plane flight, and you know, ha, you know, half the people's gone, the old lady's still there, their husband's gone. Anyway, so my, my nine-year-old's just question after, he even dropped the, the game he's playing on his gadget to, to pay attention to this, right? But it became real to him. Wait a minute. Jesus comes back. All these people are stuck on this plane. All these people are dying and crashing in a plane. And, I, and it occurs to me a lot of times we're just kind of numb to, hey, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. So don't go watch Left Behind for theology. So that's a bad point on a bad here. But, but that being said, don't forget that Jesus is coming back real soon. Um, and I think we always think we've got tomorrow, and it's a natural tendency, but, but um, that's not the case. Um, we see Hudson Taylor says, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Uh, so don't, you know, all of us are weak. All of us have um, a, a Moses complex, if you will. We all have something we wish we, wish, uh, we were better at when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to sharing. 
Um, but don't let that stop you. John Piper says, missions, missions is the overflow of our delight in God because missions is the overflow, overflow of God's delight in being God. So let, let missions be an overflow of your view of God. It's just, it comes out natural, right? Um, if I have a big enough view of my God and that He is who He says He is, I should have a big enough view to share it with others and to live it in front of others. And that's hard, right? This isn't, this isn't easy, but as I grow my theology, I should be able to grow um, my overflow. Uh, New Testament scholar Heinrich Casting says, Missions was in the early stages more than a mere function. It was a fundamental expression of the life of the church. The beginnings of a missionary theology are therefore also the beginnings of a Christian theology as such. So they kind of go hand in hand. My Christian theology, how big of view of my God do I have? Do I really believe He came to save the world or just save me? Right? Um, so grow your view. Um, maybe I can address my lack of mission and my lack of support in that area to uh, not by addressing mission, but by addressing my unbelief in the gospel. Sometimes I have to really look, sit down and look and say, I read this stuff a lot. Do I, am I believing it? Is it soaked in yet? Are you growing in your delight in God this year? Are you growing in your delight in God? Um, are you allowing the God of the universe to show you more of who He is this year? Reading through your Bible, we've got the Reading Through the Bible F260 plan we've started that Pastor John mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Um, we've started that in our household. We're letting it, it seems to be really good, and I like that because it's going through a lot of the key passages. It allows our kids to kind of grow and read with us. Um, so we've really enjoyed going through that thus far. Um, but what is it? What, what works for your family? What works for you to grow your family's view of God. Um, so the second part, so theology is big. I think that's very, very big as far as um, how we approach missions, how we do missions. The second part I thought was daily missions. Uh, God and His sovereignty has, has uniquely set you in a certain sphere of influence. I tell people all the time, I can't go into your sphere of influence and witness better than you can. They don't know me. I don't have a relationship with them, right? Can't go into your neighborhood and witness to your neighbor. They don't know me from Adam. All right? So he's put you in unique, same thing in your work, same thing in your school, same thing in your mom group, same thing in your, your dad hangout, right? He's got you exactly where he wants you uh, for a reason. Same thing in your family, by the way. Don't forget your family, which is the hardest area uh, sometimes for us to reach and sometimes for us to teach and live by. But the family, he's got you there. But I tell our kids all the time, hey, you know, you may not have picked me as your mom and dad, but God did, unfortunately, sometimes for them. Um, but it, there's no accident there. We see in Jude 1, 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. So daily we're walking by people that are lost going to a fiery hell. And... Uh, we're most of the time too busy or too um, distracted to, to notice it sometimes. Romans 10, verses 14 through 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. If God is sovereign enough to place you where you live, work, and play, is he not sovereign enough to stir the hearts of those around you? If he's sovereign enough to take care of you, sustain you, uh, make your ends meet when you thought there was no way your ends would meet, is he not uh, sovereign enough to stir those around you? A great way to get started living on mission is to begin to get to know those around you. Be available, ready to listen, present, kind, compassionate. Um, Great starts. We learn to notice uh, other people. Biggest, one of the biggest issues I've got is I'm, I'm zoned in on focus for the day. Everybody else, hey, how are you? I am speaking to people. I'm not rude. But at the end of the day, I am not really paying attention to what their response was. Hey, how are you? Okay, got to go. Learn to notice people. Uh, we see Jesus with a great example here. He did this his whole ministry. Matthew 14, 14, the story of Jesus fed to 5,000 people. Uh, if you'll remember that story, He started by seeing a large crowd and had compassion on them. What we sometimes forget about that story is he was trying to get away to grieve for the loss of his cousin. He was in mourning. He was trying to get away for the loss of his cousin, but noticing these people, he led to compassion, which led to a change of his plans. How often are you willing to change your plans because you noticed people that needed service or needed ministering or needed to hear the good news. For me, that's, I'm not very good at it at all. I've got it in my calendar every hour on the hour, and sorry, that part ain't in there. Can we schedule it for next week? doesn't work that way. Uh, we don't see Jesus postponing ministry until he can get to it. Um, sometimes reacting correctly when opportunities arise will require us to change our plans, so we must see people like Jesus saw people. Commit to pray this year for specific people where you live, work, or play. It doesn't have to be a list of 20 people. It can be a handful or one, two, three. Uh, we probably all got people that we could sit here for 30 seconds and think about live, work, and play. Are there people I could pray for their souls to be stirred in 2019? Probably wouldn't take long for most of us. William Carey says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. I tell my oldest child this all the time, and sometimes I wonder if I even believe what I'm telling him. Attempt great things for God. Do great things. If we believe our God is as big as we say we believe our God is, why aren't we attempting great things? Why aren't we attempting bold things? Um, The grace of God is always going somewhere, moving forward, extending his kingdom, propelling his people uh, toward love and service to others. As we learn to live in light of the gospel, mission should be the natural overflow. God's grace brings renewal internally in us so that it might bring renewal externally through us. So as he's working in you, he is also working through you. And the final thing we'll notice from an application perspective is kind of proactive mission. So we talked about theology. Grow your view of God. That's going to help you uh, with missions. Daily, where are you at? Where you live? Where you play? Where you work? Who can you minister to? Who can you serve? And then finally, proactive missions. Chart a course to get in on God's work. There are some opportunities for you to plan accordingly. There are opportunities where you can get involved that you're not in today 
that, oh, by the way, you might not be comfortable with. We offer plenty of those here. I know the missions team's working on several um, missions opportunities for us to go on a short-term mission. There's local opportunities abound for you to go serve somewhere that's not quite as comfortable as you would like, but that's, that's good. Do that uh, purposely. You will often be amazed where God can use you in some circumstances like that. Are you eager and enthusiastic to do good for others? Be real honest. A lot of times I'm too busy to do good for others because I can't do good for myself and we've just got a frantic schedule sometimes, right? Are you excited about serving others because we love to rather than begrudgingly? Sometimes even serving others is not done in the right heart attitude. Sometimes, well, I've got to go check that box, got to go to church, serve others because that's what I do on Wednesday nights or Sundays or Tuesdays or whatever. Are we doing it with the right heart attitude? People will notice if you're not. Uh, my wife calls me out on it all the time. Um, hey, I know you're preparing for that lesson, but he's not going to honor that if you're doing it in that attitude. Sometimes the form of the Holy Spirit comes in many ways. Um, externally, the grace of God moves me to see opportunities for love and service, respond in repentance and faith, and experience joy as I see God work through me. Be proactive this year in seeking local or short-term mission or service opportunities. Uh, be intentional with where he has placed you in your sphere of influence. A um, couple of areas where I think, um, for me personally, we have tried to work on this year um, in this area, being proactive in missions, is make room in your budget. Uh, it is so easy to say, nope, can't go this year. I ain't got an extra $1,500 or $1,000 or $10 to drive to the other side of town. If your budget is constantly constrained, it's an easy no to missions. Make room in your budget this year. Don't let poor planning hinder your missional lifestyle. Set some aside to go do some missional work. You with families, it is well worth it to take. I'm excited this year. We're going to try to get our oldest out of the country on a mission trip. I've been looking forward to this for years. So whatever we got to sacrifice, that's fine. Don't care. Uh, if I can get him to see a lost and dying world outside of America, I'm excited about it. Uh, not only for him, but for the people he's going to go serve. I'm excited to try to get him excited about missions. And if that costs me money, so be it. God will take care of that. If, again, if I believe God is who he says he is, he'll take care of it. All right? Second one, well, first one's budget. Second one's schedule. This one hits me harder than the rest. Uh, make room in your schedule. Um, golly, it is busy. We, we Americans are very good at being busy. Uh, and I am the king of busyness. So we, we have tried to set some things aside this year in my household to, to be less busy, to be less committed to things that are not as important as things we want to be important. Um, so I, I encourage all of you to look at your schedule. If mission is going to be an overflow, then adjust your schedule accordingly. I can't go serve others if I've got something racked up every afternoon, every day, every hour, and I see somebody in need. E, sorry, I'm overcommitted. So check your schedule. Um, we do get overscheduled very, very easy. Men, that's your MO by default. Typically, we like to be overscheduled, but I would say we as a family do that very easily, most of us. So check your budget, check your schedule. John Stott says we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. We must be a global church. 
We are a global church right now. We are reaching people across this globe through your giving, through your time, through your short-term missions, um, through your service. And I'll end with, with Jesus' words. He's in Matthew 24, 14, says, The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Again, if we believe that, let's do it. Let's get in on His work. Let's get in on His uh, mission. And let's just be available for service. Let's be a conduit so that He can use us, so that the Holy Spirit can fill us to reach those that He has given before us in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our schools, our own kids. Right? Um, those of you that are parents, there's no greater mission field than your children. Um, they see you at your best. They see you at your worst. Uh, they're going to know what you believe in Jesus. Petrifies the mess out of me all the time. Uh, again, I believe in a big, big God, so I don't lose sleep over it. But it does concern me. Uh, are my kids knowing that I believe and how big of a Jesus that I say I believe in? 